try as I may, I could never explain what I hear when you don't say Everyone and welcome to Intersections Matches Talk Radio, a show for people who resonate with Mahatma Gandhi's quote, learn like you're going to live forever, live like you're going to die tomorrow. This is Josephina, your host and the founder of Intersections Match, a global personalized matchmaking and coaching company for successful and commitment-minded singles. I'm very excited to welcome to today's show, Peter Gosselin. Peter is a former hospital CEO of multiple East Coast-based hospitals with a 33-year career as a healthcare leader. In 2014, Peter founded PLG Healthcare Consulting, serving hospitals and healthcare organizations, providing executive coaching, interim management, and special projects, and is a life member of the American College of Healthcare Executives, as well as a speaker at regional, statewide, and national conferences. He holds an MBA from Cornell University, an MS in Community Health from the University of Rochester, and a BA from Tufts. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Josephine. I appreciate the opportunity to, to be here today. Well, it's a pleasure to learn from you, and let's launch in. Let's start with... So, you know, what are some examples of, of the issues, the obstacles for which physician leaders in particular might retain your services as an executive coach? Sure. Well, um, just a, a little quick background here. I, I've been an executive coach for a couple of years, uh, having transitioned from the uh, CEO positions prior to that. And I love this work because one can have a, a great influence on an organization as a coach. And I enjoy working with physician leaders as well as executives and managers. Um, as far as physician leaders go, uh, the people that I've coached uh, generally are high achievers and they really want to uh, achieve more. And in some cases, they can't understand why that isn't happening. Um, in, in, for medical professionals, professionals who are really experts in their field, they're used to being kind of in charge of their specialty area. And when they're asked to take it beyond that to deal with members of their department or colleagues or committee members, et cetera, um, sometimes they need a little help in figuring out how to influence others. So that, that's one of the ways I get involved, but also uh, high achievers in general uh, want to advance themselves, and sometimes they need a little help knowing how they show up for other people and how they use their strengths most effectively with others, how they can read their audience, and a number of other things. So these are things I work with on a regular, with people on a regular basis. Um, and we together in a partnership figure out how they can be more effective and influential, and then we celebrate their successes. 
Wonderful. Now, you mentioned how to influence others, among other things. What what have you found to be common practices of the most influential physician leaders? What are some common practices or skill sets for people to develop, for physician leaders to develop in their goal of refining their skills and influence? That's an interesting question. It, it makes me think back over the period of years where, I'm, where I've worked with dozens of physician leaders uh, in, in a management and administrative position, but also as an executive coach. And those that kind of rise to the top of the list, I'd say number one, have a high degree of honesty and integrity. And I find that I can count on them for this. We can, others can as well. And at times they, they really need and are willing to go out on a limb to, um, promote what they believe. Uh, I'd say other qualities, practices. Um, I'd say people who are, are grounded personally, calm in a crisis, if you will. Um, people who really know their role and use it to influence others effectively. Um, I would say it a, a very useful skill is ability to speak publicly, to lead and facilitate a meeting, as well as to influence an individual. And, and many physician leaders are good at this. Um, mm -hmm. But at times they, they could, they, they can work toward achieving additional goals in these areas. Um, I'd say probably the most important other than the honesty and integrity is the, the ability to develop and maintain relationships because in, in terms of leadership, you're going to get most everything done, not necessarily by yourself, but through other people. And being great at developing and maintaining relationships and communication is key there. Um, two other things that come to mind. One is the ability to be vulnerable and basically to be a leader by being vulnerable first. Um, and, and, and I'd say a, a number of physicians in terms of their training have let me know that that expression of vulnerability is not something they naturally um, focus on. And in fact, it's helped them be successful in, in, in emerging as physicians by being experts and not necessarily always acknowledging any vulnerability. But on the other hand, in terms of leadership, um, a great way to get others feeling comfortable enough to step up is if the leader's willing show some vulnerability first. And finally, I would say I, I, a key um, practice is being strategic and having a strategic mindset. So you always have a plan in mind. And what you do is intentional relating to that plan. Does that help? That helps considerably. And there are two things that dovetail from yours. Let me take it in one direction and then take it in the other. And one was the vulnerability you mentioned. And, and as you mentioned, in terms of that, 
that vulnerability can be so important in making impact, being influential as a leader. And at the same time, right, it's, it's not, it's not easy. It, it can be very difficult. Is there any, um, you know, any, any tip, any starting point for someone who recognizes that gap for them that they see the value of being vulnerable and at the same time, they see their discomfort with it. Any, what is, what is one step, one step someone can take, um, realizing that gap and wanting to, wanting to increase their, their comfort level or at least their ability to be vulnerable? What's one baby step they can take in that direction? I think first just to understand the importance of that for people who are following that are perhaps a little insecure or worried about whether they're how they're going to show up to their boss or to their colleagues. And mm-hmm. if someone in a leadership position can can say that they don't really know something fully or have something to learn or acknowledge that, then it helps the people around the room kind of be more forthright and honest. And in a group setting, the, the team can be more effective if people can admit that there's certain things they don't know. Um, and they don't all have to be experts. Um, and it doesn't mean they're going to be criticized and that sort of thing. So it's just that knowledge, I would say, is a is a key step. And then using it, sort of take baby steps with it. If you're if you have, you know, if it's something you, you don't do naturally, you think about what are the alternatives for me? I could I could not I could not say anything. I could mm-hmm. pretend like I know the answer or I could acknowledge that maybe this isn't this isn't my area of expertise and someone else might do it better and just think through the the what's going to happen what might happen if you took those steps one one of those steps and sort of be strategic about it um so if if people can do that kind of in the moment um, mm-hmm. maybe with some preparation beforehand. I, I find that, you know, people that I've worked with, um, who come back to me and say, you know, it worked for me. You know, I, I, I took the risk, um, and I, I brought the, the group closer because of it. Ah, so taking the risk to actually notice and notice a point at which you can, you can expose that vulnerability to the good, right? And on the other side of that, noticing that it actually helps the team to make greater impact, someone else to step in perhaps and and fill that gap for everyone. And it actually helps the overall mission and in that sense, um, increase one's comfort level in doing it again. Am I getting that exactly. right in terms of? Exactly. Yes, you've, you've nailed it. Okay. Excellent. All right. And, and speaking of being strategic, I know you've, you've mentioned that uh, a number of times, Peter. For a, for a junior, now I know you're used to working with, right, the physician leaders or the people who have already attained leadership at their, at their institutions. Um, looking, looking from that direction to someone who is maybe a, a junior physician, a forward looking junior physician, desiring to position themselves, right, for leadership down the road. What might you recommend for them from a strategic perspective in terms of things to keep in mind or um, ways they can they can begin to position themselves in this way? Uh, yes, I would say um, there's a number of things that 
could help them. And the first four things really could help anyone, experienced or junior, if you will. Uh, yeah. And then, but being strategic about it, I would go into a little bit more detail. But just, just briefly, yeah. I would say know yourself first. Know your propensities, okay. your style. Um, uh, what are your what are your buttons? How do you deal with certain pressures? What and what brings you satisfaction and joy in your life? Um, secondly, be intentional about your day. Take some time. Invest in yourself some time at the beginning of each day, and think through what it is you want to accomplish today. Um, a lot of people don't do that. They just jump into their day. And before they know it, it's noon and then four o'clock and then the day is done. And they, if you ask them what they did today, or what was most important, it's, it's hard for them to bring it back. So I would say be intentional, number two. Number three would be great, use great communication skills. And that this, I could go on for a long time and there's a lot written about it, but I'd say probably the most important part of that is listening, uh, active listening. Make sure you're present, that other people know that you're listening to them, and then use what you hear effectively in communicating with others. Uh, and fourth, make an effort to, to reach out to the person or persons who you report to. So you have a great rapport uh, with, and, and some people call this managing up, um, and, it, and there's a number of things written about this, but it's it's really critical. Having been in position of CEO, I totally recognize and acknowledge that those um, reports of mine that were great at managing up are the ones I liked working with the best, and probably ad they advanced faster than anyone else. Um, but if I were a junior um, position leader looking to expand my influence, um, I would go a little bit beyond that from, from a strategic point of view and look at some things that a lot of people don't spend a lot of time on. Look at your job description. Figure out what it is that you're expected to do and validate that with whomever you're reporting to. And while you're at it, find out how that person likes to communicate. Uh, do they like memos? Do they like in-person meetings? How do they deal with stressful situations? Do they put it off or do they welcome it? How often do they like meeting? All that kind of stuff. You need to be right there, um, kind of at their right hand, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. Not necessarily losing your identity, but just being there as a, as a support. I say look for opportunities to express yourself and be ready to express yourself and in in those areas that that you feel are important to you um and and try not to be afraid of the of the, that or stressed out about it those are opportunities for you to build your reputation um and have people know you for having stepped up at certain points in time and been a leader. Those are things people remember. And it's not going to be an immediate response, but over time, if you show a pattern uh, when there's a gap, that you fill in that gap, 
intentionally and in a professional manner, uh, people will get to know you and count on you for that. And that will serve you. Um, I would say also create allies within the organization, not necessarily solely in your, in your web, if you will, in your chain of, of connections, but outside of that as well within the organization. Get, have people know you, um, you know, reach out to them. It sometimes feels like a waste of time. Uh, but it isn't uh, because an organization is, um, you know, things travel fast in an organization, including um, people's reputations and people's first impressions and that sort of thing. And I think those are good investments. Um, just a couple other things. If if I'm not going too long on this question, it's just a great question. Not at all. It's very valuable okay. information. No, please, go ahead. I'd say be forgiving of yourself and others. And this connects with that vulnerability question from earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes, as I said earlier, physicians have a hard time showing vulnerability. Part of this is um, they need to be willing to demonstrate that if if others make mistakes or um, are doing something that is mildly offensive that that they can they can step up and and forgive them and it's not something that's going to hurt them forever that they show they're forgiving and then be forgiving of themselves too that they don't you know beat themselves up because they've done they've made a mistake um, that that nobody's perfect in fact um, Perfection, I believe, is an impossible task, and actually, it creates stress for people around people who are always trying to be perfect. Um, and it, it can actually take away from your promotability um, if you if you get yourself too niched in a particular area. People aren't as willing to let you out of that area if you do it so extremely well and perfect. Uh, if you want to advance yourself, so it can work actually work against you. So those are the those are the insights I, I I would share with you in terms of if you're if you're looking to advance yourself uh, at at this point. Wonderful, wonderful, very helpful. And you had mentioned uh, speaking of patterns. I know you had mentioned patterns. I'm curious, have you observed? Um, you know, given your multiple CEO, multiple institutions, have you observed any? gender-based distinctions just between the way male and female physician leaders approach different issues as they come up. I'm curious. Any yes. any patterns uh, you've seen or go ahead. Well in, in a hospital setting, um I would say that there's yeah. there's there's a there's a, a a good number of female leaders in the physician ranks as well as the non-physician ranks and um, as well as male leaders. And I would, I'm not sure, but I'm, my guess is there's more than there is in the traditional corporate world. Um, so I, I have had the opportunity um, to see female and male leaders in action. Um, and although these are generalizations, and I, you always can get in trouble with generalizations. But 
sure. I would I'm say one, my, my, my impressions are in terms of advancement, males tend to look for opportunities that will ensure their advancement, sometimes even early on before they may may meet all the qualifications for a um, a job a new job they're out there you know suggesting that they they're interested in other words uh whereas females tend to have a tendency to play by the rules and wait until they believe that they're fully qualified before they they stretch themselves and and let it be known they're they're interested in a in an in another position and sometimes that works to the female's disadvantage um and and on the other hand i do think that female leaders tend to be more comfortable in positions where they need to be or they're required to be flexible in in the face of changing circumstances and at this point there's a lot of changing circumstances in hospitals Um, and and uh whereas males tend to be more competent in new situations where they they've got to go in quickly and demonstrate authority and quick decision making so those are those are generalizations i'd say i'd say though given this current crisis that we're in the covid crisis i call it i believe there's a rapid evolution of leadership styles that are going to be perceived more um to be aligned with success and and qualities like being able to listen effectively being able to pull ideas out of people that maybe they didn't even know they had um ability to relate um knowing one's leadership style and how it aligns with others in the workplace those types of things are really i to me rising to the surface in terms of level of importance um and i think the degree that someone is relationship oriented is has high emotional intelligence ability to show empathy um tolerance uh and ability to work in diverse um environments uh propensity to lead from the what they say from the center versus the top all those qualities i believe are going to be an advantage going forward to a much greater extent than they have been in the past and i think ultimately that um female leaders may may this may help um equalize at least to an extent and i know in the hospital world but probably the the corporate world uh their opportunities um and uh, although we've got a long way to go i do believe that that's a, that's going to be a factor in the future that is really fascinating in terms of how you know the covid crisis could could actually expedite that kind of a kind of progression in leadership leadership skills or actually tr- transition somewhat you know there're two different directions again from that, from that so one is you had mentioned um you know diverse environments and ability to to be effective in diverse environments have you curious again understanding generality right generalizations uh, to some degree be necessary here and there are exceptions to every rule 
Have you observed any cultural-based distinctions between the way, you know, physician leaders maybe have different from different cultures of different ethnicities might approach different issues which come up? And anything, any patterns or? Um, I would say just from from my experience with uh, some of the research that's been done. Um, for instance, the Gallup okay. organization. Uh, and they're pretty well known for their polling and the research they've they've done in terms of leaderships. And they've been around for a long time, I think, since the 1930s. Yeah. Um, and they've they've uh, involved thousands, if not millions, of subjects to to come up to certain conclusions. They they do a lot of work with strengths, with assessing strengths um, and teams, and they've they found that um, it, with teams, it, when, when the team, all the most of the team has similar backgrounds, expertise, approach approaches, those teams are not as effective as teams that have diversity of strengths and experiences. Uh, and diversity, and in their definition, um, could be diversity of gender, of age, or race. Um, and so the the most engaged teams welcome diversity, and it, it does make sense. You know, you have a group of people that are all um, the same or have similar backgrounds, education, uh, evaluate things with the same criteria. They're not going to be um, as effective in a changing environment as those that are bringing new experiences or different experiences or different perspectives into a group. Um, and so I would say that, that the cultural differences, um, that you, you mentioned are really a, give, give a group a distinct advantage because people are bringing new ideas and new perspectives into a group that may, that, that, um, would not otherwise have the benefit of that. And it, and of course, it presupposes that the team is a high-functioning team, um, and that's a whole nother, uh realm of of research, et cetera. What what constitutes a high-functioning team? And of course, then a high-functioning team needs to be able to welcome diversity, differences of opinion, and assimilate those those opinions effectively to come up with better answers. Um, and so. But I, I would say, in my experience, in the most high-functioning hospitals I've worked at, uh, diversity is welcomed, um, and experiences that are that are brought and perspectives are brought are utilized to be to make more effective decisions uh, in, in a team setting. Interesting. Tell me, um, you know, you again. This must my dovetail. This question might dovetail with. Which you'd mentioned with respect to leadership skills, right? Um, in, in, in the COVID environment. But what are some, you know, best practices, strategies to successfully navigate leadership in healthcare during and, you know, during this COVID environment, during this COVID recovery, you know, post COVID recovery? Yes. Um, I, I mean, mean it's no secret that the, the world has been turned upside down with this COVID pandemic and 
although some it was predicted in the past that this could happen, nobody really got it until it happened. Uh, and the healthcare field in particular has been impacted greatly. And I know, you know, the hospital leaders I'm familiar with have have told me, you know, how they're they're going through um, lots of lots of dramatic changes and and things like uh, putting off elective surgeries, which is some of the, the one of the few things that actually um, brings some financial gain to um, to an organization and. Not only elective surgeries, but they're furloughing employees. Uh, the ER is changing in terms of who they're serving and how they're serving people. The, um, the virtual world is, is moved up, uh, dramatically. There, there's, and, and the hospitals are losing money hand over fist. So it's, it's like turn things upside down. And those, and some people are saying, the world will never be the same in in the healthcare arena anyway um and some some hospitals may not make it through this um so there's an awful lot of radical change going on and so people really need to be aware leaders in particular of what's happening and what's what their implications are for their particular institution um and so what can you do about this as a leader and and whether you're a physician leader or an executive or a manager this may not be immediately obvious but i would say number one and and something you really need to do is take care of yourself uh everybody's stressed about this um and uh, there's stress at home there's stress at work and make sure that you're okay and you're doing things uh to help yourself whether it be med- meditation or mindfulness or exercise or eating right or getting enough sleep uh, or spending enough time with family um you know i've got friends who work in the healthcare field that are putting in 12 14 hour days uh day after day after day and you, you just can't do that over an extended period of time without it having a huge impact on you. So I would say take care of yourself first and find ways to reinforce resilience in yourself and others around you. Because if you're not strong, you can't help other people be strong around you. Um, realize that other people not only need your support, but they also need your caring and compassion it's amazing to me that I, when I've read and heard about the there's predictions that one third of Americans, up to one third of Americans, are going to need some kind of mental health support, um, based on, among other things, the, the pandemic. Um, that's a huge number, given there's 300 million plus people in this country. Um, so, yeah, not just making sure that budget is balanced and um and you know that, that there's the right facilities and equipment and supplies and everything else which are all very important but that people are care- feel cared for 
um, it, that's that's critically important. Um, so, in my coaching business, in, in just as a, a little anecdote, I'm finding that the clients that I have in in healthcare really are not as focused on um, achieving, you know, their career goals or uh, coming up with with and and implementing plans for making changes in their life so much they just want to talk to somebody about what they're going through and figure out together how they can cope with what's happening today or tomorrow um and that's different than it was 6 months ago um and as a coach i at first i was thinking well am i giving them enough value um and in in listening to what they have to say and working with them through some of the these concerns they might have. And then I I asked them about that and they all are saying, yes, this is exactly what we need right now. Um so those are those are some of the things, some of the insights I'd like to share in terms of strategies to navigate if you're a leader. Um reach out to other people if you need help too. Don't don't wait. Um, and there are people out there that are willing to help. Um, and there may be people you, you haven't reached out for before, um, because everybody needs connection in, in what's going on today. Interesting. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. And Matthew, anything, you know, anything you imagine physician leaders might be surprised to learn from from hospital CEOs, you know, as a as a former hospital CEO, anything you wish your physician leaders understood? Yeah, there is. There's one thing that sort of came up a number of times um, as I was kind of moving up the ranks in from a from a um, a mid-level manager to a director to a VP to a CEO. And it was this concept of transference. And what that means to me is that people experience authority um, as they develop, as they grow up in different ways. And there are times when they they've had a, either a good or a bad experience with authority, with someone in authority, whether it be a, a parent, a boss, a, a teacher, whomever. Um, and they carry that with them. And sometimes they kind of put that on someone who's in a position of authority in another place. Um, and it's not always accurate. Sometimes it's, it's it, and that's where that concept of transference up. So how does this translate? Um, sometimes people who are reporting to people don't realize that the people they report to are, you know, human beings like everybody else. And they have um, wishes and needs and strengths and weaknesses. Um, and their intentions are maybe different than 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 you think. Um, and so, you know, I know I'm working with some people very high up the ladder in terms of administration in some places, and they 
they've shared with me that they, they have what you call imposter syndrome. In other words, they've got responsibility for thousands of people and millions of dollars of budget. And they're thinking, you know, maybe I can't, maybe I'm not up to this. Maybe I'm not doing this as well as I could. Maybe I don't belong in this job. Um, and so they have these insecurities, just like everybody else does. Um, and, and so I, I think it's just, just an awareness that, that people are people no matter where they, they sit or stand in an organization. And we should look at them as being human and uh, vulnerable at times. And and also the the good news is that you can relate to them, perhaps if you kind of let go of some of these preconceived notions of how people in authority work. I know that's long-winded, but you you asked me. That's something valuable, nonetheless. Very valuable, very insightful. And, you know, like you said, culled from years of experience in this environment. So that is a that is really interesting. Do you, what do you, do you have any last take-home message you'd like to leave our physician leaders with? Um, just that um, this this job of being um, executive coach has been very satisfying. But I think it's useful. Some of the some of the things that I've learned could be useful. I know they'd be useful to others today. Um, Taking more of a coach approach to situations, which what does that mean? That means uh, taking the time to listen to other people, acknowledging them, sometimes actually mirroring what they say before you give your opinion, uh, and staying curious, especially if you have strong feelings, rather than express those feelings immediately. Just stay curious. What is it that you're driving at? You know, tell me more about this. Um, that sort of approach versus sort of a direct, this is my opinion, no matter what you think, kind of approach. I think that coach approach is going to get you much further than, than, than the latter approach would. Um, ask what and how questions before giving opinions. What is a great way to start a question? Um, it doesn't put people on the defensive. Why questions sometimes put people on the que- on the defensive, but um, these are sort of tricks of the trade if we're a coach that you, you really want to get as much out of the person in terms of what they're thinking first before you work work with them in, in any kind of next steps or getting over any hurdles or obstacles or or discussing underlying beliefs or that sort of thing. Um, so I would say if I were to leave you with a take-home message, I would say success in this environment for leaders is going to be much more related to their ability to be present, uh, to be intentional, and to be connected. Uh, and those are those are three things that I think are worth some real concentration on going forward and will help you become more effective in what you do. Thanks, Peter. I really appreciate you sharing your valuable insights with us. Now, how can our listeners find you if they'd like to learn more? Sure. Um, 
I'd be happy to talk with any of the listeners who have questions. Just just any any question that you might have. Um, there's there's a number of of um, personality uh, and management assessments that you could you could look at, for instance, or um, anything basically that where where you want to get some suggestions, etc. You can email me if you want at plg3131 at gmail. Um, or if you'd like, I do offer a 30-minute complimentary consultation for anyone who's curious about what I do, how I work uh, with people that I coach, um, how they really bring them along in their journey to achieve what they want to achieve. And then that, in that in those times, I can answer any questions as well. So that that consultation, again, is free. And they can go directly to my profile page for, for to set up a time. And that's um, at, at uh, HTTPS. Um, and in the www.soarsoar.com slash Peter L. Gosline, G-O-S-L-I-N-E. And if you email me, uh, I can send you that that profile URL as well, if you'd like. Um, so either way, the email, plg3131 at gmail.com, or use my uh, my my SOAR URL, uh, you can get to me. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just put in Peter Gosline. I'll be there. Wonderful, Peter. Thank you. And for our listeners, in case you joined us late or would like to share the show with people in your life, I'd like to remind you that today's radio show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Match's website, which is www.intersectionsmatch.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Try as I may.